Good morning and welcome to Community Life Church. I'm Lori, I'm a grateful believer in Jesus and I attend Celebrate Recovery for my life's hurts, hangups, and habits. And good morning. Hope everybody's doing good this morning. My name is Scott Verno, and I am in recovery. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus, and I am in recovery for anxiety. Hi, Scott. We are so glad you're here today, whether you're here in person or watching online. We just know you're going to be blessed by Pastor Scott's message and Julia's wonderful testimony. So again, thank you for coming, and we're glad you're here. Yeah, we're so appreciative of you being here. Today's going to be a little different Sunday. So um, I have a message. It's about seven, eight, ten. No preacher's ever done anything in seven minutes. Um, but a, a short message, and then we have a testimony that I'm going to tell you is going to absolutely bless you. And of course, we have worship. But we decided that we would start a little different this morning because of the events that are taking place in Israel. And um, as we know, and when we study scripture, we are to pray for the peace of Israel. And so we thought that this morning we would do that. So I would like to invite you, if you will, to go ahead and stand up on your feet. And um, Lori is going to lead us in the praying of the Lord's Prayer together. And then I'll follow with a prayer as well. Ready? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Heavenly Father, we love you. God, and as we gather our hearts in this space, Lord, we take just a moment to, um, to think of Israel. God, to think of the the people that you chose out of this crazy world to reveal yourself to and, and through. And God, as we think about them today, navigating through the, all of the hurt, all of the anxiety, what it looks like to, to be attacked, to face terrorist attacks and, and the, uh, the hundreds of lives that have been lost. God, we just pray right now for peace. We pray for their leaders, God, that you would give them wisdom and discernment and how to navigate and to, to save and preserve life, but then how to move forward and to deal with the conflict that's in front of them. But God, we just pray that you would be God. Um, you, all, you understand the people groups. You understand how all of that stuff happens. And, and so Lord, the only thing we can do is just lift them up to you today and ask that um, your Holy Spirit would just do a tremendous work inside of them as we pray uh, for the nation of Israel. And God, as we prepare our hearts for this service today, um, through the time of worship and through the message and through the testimony, I just pray that you would you would start to do things in our hearts that maybe we've not experienced before. Um, there will be topics discussed in church today that, that typically you don't always hear, but I believe that as you open up our hearts, you can offer healing, you can offer hope. And God, we wanna be a church that, that, that normalizes the understanding of being in recovery, that none of us are perfect, and that all of us are in this journey where we discover who we are in light of you. And so we just yield all of this time to you, and we just ask that you would lead us and guide us we love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. So glad that you are joining us for church this morning. Let's just take time to open up our hearts to the Lord this morning. Come on, let's worship Him.
can do when we get together and, and praise Him as one body. Amen? Yes. And we, uh, this next song we're going to sing is one that we've only done a handful of times, so it might feel a little new, but it's, it's easy enough. I promise you'll get the hang of it. But uh, it's written uh, almost as a prayer that the Holy Spirit would come and, and fulfill His role uh, in, in our lives and our, our, uh, our faith journey. And that is to empower us to do what it is that God has called us to. Um, it's to open our eyes to who Jesus is and, and the glory that, that he has. Um, and also to, to help us to trust and, and to put all of our hope in his very capable hands. And then also to, to reveal to us our desperate need for his presence in our lives. So as we sing this together, I just encourage you to, to let that, those, these lyrics be a, a prayer for us this morning. Amen. I won't be moved and 
Unless you move, I want you more than the air I breathe. I need you, yes, I need you. If you're not here, I don't wanna be. I won't be moved unless you move. I want you more than the air I breathe. I need you, yes, I need you.
presence that's so sweet this morning um, just pouring into our soul increasing our faith God just helping us to breathe and, and be able to let go and trust in you and what you have planned um, for every season of life God for all of the changes the ups and the downs um, when the world is shaking and uh, maybe to our natural eye even what we were singing about even when I don't see it God maybe to the natural eye we don't physically see you moving but you are always at work and you use us um, as the kingdom of God uh, Lord that Jesus that came into the world to give life now lives in us and you're using us as the kingdom God to spread light and to be the light to the world and so when we don't see it when we don't feel it God, help us to really live by that prayer this morning in those words, just to stand firm in who you are. Thank you for continuing to do a work in our heart this morning as you, as um, Julia comes, as Scott comes this morning, and what a beautiful testimony you have planned for us. We open up our hearts to receive all that you have for us today, knowing that you have a purpose and a plan. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say amen this morning. Thank you so much for singing. Uh, turn around. Let's greet a neighbor. Let's be good neighbors and find someone to greet and welcome this morning and then you can be seated if you're watching online we're glad you're here we'll be right back in just a moment well good morning hope everyone's doing good this morning I want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today at at Community Life Church on this gorgeous Sunday morning, man, I walked outside and it was like awesome. And then I realized that it's going to be freezing in here today because we try to keep the air down, but we actually got the air down to where it was supposed to be. So now we're going to have to pass out blankets. Amen? Uh, <laughs> so I know Greta's working on that, but um, thank you for being here today. Um, at Community Life, we love God, we love our neighbor, and we believe that our mission is to connect people to Jesus because we believe that Jesus is the source of life. And so if there's anything we can do to stand alongside you in this crazy journey of life, um, please, please, please let us know. But it means the world to us that, that you're here today. Um, so a couple quick announcements, and then um, we're going we're gonna to jump into the message. 
So if you've been attending for a little while and you want to find out more about Community Life Church, we would love to do that. We have a dinner. Uh, it's on a Thursday night, October 26th. We call this our first steps dinner. Um, just gives us a chance to sit down, hear your story. We can share a little bit of our story with you and just kind of gives you that chance to meet all the different people here in the different ministries and, and just a great way for you to connect. So if you're, you're looking to be able to do that, you can either uh, register online using one of the QR codes that's there in front of you, or you can stop by out at the Next Steps room and, and we'll get you signed up that way. Um, and then the other announcement, this is actually um, something, you, something you don't hear a lot from me. It's a giving request. So I want to put a need out there for you to consider. And, um, and it starts off like this. Um, over the last six, maybe eight months, we have experienced growth that's just insane. Um, I mean, like w- running to keep up, trying to keep going, adding the third service, continue to move on, running as fast as we can. I'll give you an example. Um, last week's service, when you look at the numbers, last week compared to a year ago last week, we had 398 more human beings in this building than we did last year at this time. Isn't that, that kind of cool? Yeah. That means we're running. I mean, we're trying to keep up. That kind of growth is, is just, it's fun. It's the things that you pray about as a pastor. And so that means that as we went through the year, you know, we, we set the budget, we started moving. But as we went through the year, that means we had to make some mid-year um, adjustments, staffing, budget-wise. And if I'm being honest with you, I'll tell you, finances are, are starting to get tight. Um, one of the things that we always committed to you is that we would live inside of the budgets and, that we've had or, or the, the income that we have. And and we're doing that, but I want to put this request out there. Now, you may say, Scott, more people equals more money. That's not always the case. And so let me explain to you one of the statistics that you learn quickly as a pastor. So um, it's it's generally understood that when people start attending a church, it takes two to two and a half years for them to acclimate to the church and then to connect in terms of resource and in terms of giving. So if you have a church that's growing as fast as we are, You're just running to try and keep up with everything that's going on. So what I want to ask you to consider, if you're a part of this church and this is your church home, is is consider your financial gifts to this church and see if there's a way that you can increase that, increase your giving towards the church. Just want you to go ahead and consider that. And if you're new, let's don't wait two and a half years. How about that? (laughs) Find a way to connect. And and I'm not asking you to just give us all of your money. No one's asking you to do that. And, And here's why. Because we're such a large church, if you go through and you think about during the week, we have about 600 giving units at the church. That's preacher numbers. It could be less than that. It could be more than that. But if out of the 600 people that give throughout the course of a a week, if everybody gives, raises their giving $10 over the course of a year, that's over $300,000 extra that allows us to continue to do ministry and lean into connecting people to Jesus. So just asking you to consider that. Amen? All right. You guys are so awesome. All right. So... Um, We're in a new series today called Take Heart, and what we're going to do this week and next week is bring attention to one of the ministries that we have here at the church that I'm going to tell you is is most vital, and the name of that ministry is Celebrate Recovery, and I'll just go ahead and say this right off the bat. My hope in this series and in what we're doing in ministry is to normalize recovery, Because if you create a church where everybody that walks in the front door thinks that they have to be perfect, can you imagine that problem? I'll just say this. If you expect that the people around you are perfect, you may be in the... If you expect that I'm perfect, you may be in the wrong church, right? So we want to normalize the understanding of recovery, that we are all in recovery for something, something that God is doing inside of our lives, bringing us to a new place. And so that's the conversation that we want to have today, is that we have a ministry here at the church that really focuses on that and, and, and works on the hurts, habits, and hangups of life, um, bringing us into a, into a, really helping us to deal with those areas. So, so the setup for today, I've got a sermon, seven minutes long, maybe. No preacher's ever done anything in seven minutes, so you can just bank on 10 minutes. And then Julia has been kind enough to offer to come up and share her testimony with us. And it's about 17 minutes long. And I'm telling you, it's, it's fabulous, the work that God is doing in our lives. But um, I want to start off by introducing to you the ministry leader that we have at Celebrate Recovery. And his name is Steve Shates. Well, you got to give Steve a big round of applause. So we've been talking about this awesome goatee that he has on his face. And, and so what, what would you call this color of goatee? 
That's chrome, right? Because you know some of your favorite cars in the past had a lot of chrome on them, didn't they, right? So we found us a vintage car to run Celebrate Recovery. Go ahead, introduce yourself, eh? This is how I'd introduce myself and celebrate recovery. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm in long-term recovery for a drug addiction, and I struggle with depression. And my name is Steve. He would say, hey, Steve. Hey, Steve. Yep. So, Steve, tell us about Celebrate Recovery. What's, what's the ministry all about? Celebrate Recovery is a Christ-centered 12-step recovery program based on the Christ-centered 12 steps and eight recovery principles that are found in the Beatitudes. The big thing about Celebrate Recovery is as we find freedom and as we, as we recover we become disciples who create disciples who create disciples. It's basically, it's a discipleship factory. Yeah, so really it's, it's a program. It's a program. It's a process. It's, it's not a quick fix. It's nothing that's going to come in here and just change your life overnight. It's something you're going to come in, you're going you're, you're to confront you. And you're going to dig deep into you. And you're going to let Jesus into those places where you've never let Jesus in before, and you're going to find freedom that you've never experienced in the name of God. So um, who, who would you say needs to go to Celebrate Recovery? Who's it for? Well, I look out here, and I see quite a few heads. Uh, the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So with that being said, everybody in here could benefit. Now, it is, Celebrate Recovery is an 18 and over program. So, but everybody in here could benefit. Is it for everybody? Absolutely not. Yeah. And so, um, does it take the place of all of the other re recovery programs? Um, no, it doesn't take the place of all other recovery programs. Um, I, when I came into recovery, I was agnostic. I would have never stepped foot in a, in a church, let alone a Christ-centered recovery program. So I started attending a secular program that met in the basement of a church, and. God met me right where I was, and God brought me from that basement of that church to right here today. So had it not been for another program, there's a good chance that I wouldn't have survived to, to be where I am today. That's true. So when you think recovery, a lot of times you think substance abuse. Is Celebrate Recovery mostly focused on substance abuse? Uh, this is a little fun fact. In the 37,000 churches that Celebrate Recovery exists in, they have found that only about 30% of the people that attend Celebrate Recovery attend for some kind of substance abuse. The majority are there for their sin issues, anxiety, depression, uh, just any number, codependency, just any number of, of issues. Food issues, all of those things, right? Food issues, anger. Um, we, we all have these little hurts, hang-ups, and habits. These little things maybe that we've, that we've struggled with our whole entire life. Little things that we've never told another human being. Things that we continue to stumble over day after day and year after year. And we just think that God just doesn't hear our prayers. Uh, but that's a lie straight from the pits of hell. God hears our prayers and Celebrate Recovery provides an avenue to find freedom from those issues. Let me tell you what I love about Steve. We've done this three times today and he just, he wants to preach so bad. He wants to get after it so bad. Uh, so talk to me, this is, and this is, this is probably the linchpin for Celebrate Recovery because if you don't have these two things, then, then you don't have a ministry. So anonymity and confidentiality, talk to me about those two things. That's, one of, that's paramount in Celebrate Recovery. Anonymity and confidentiality are basic requirements. Everything hinges on that. Just like Julia, Julia's story tonight, today, she's going to come up here and she's going to share. But I want to promise you this, Julia shared first with one person that she felt safe with, that she felt that she could confide in. She shared again in a group with people that she felt safe in. And had we not been able to provide that group of safety and anonymity, she wouldn't be standing up here today sharing that same story because she has found freedom from that and it doesn't have power over her anymore. So we address that. It's serious. We don't play when it comes to anonymity and confidentiality because all it takes is one gossip will kill. It'll kill the ministry from the inside out. It'll slowly eat it from the inside out. Okay, so um, Scott Verano, um, grateful believer in Jesus, and I'm in recovery for piles of anxiety, all right? So the idea of going into a church recovery <laughs> program just makes me anxious to think about it. So for all of my friends out there that may have those same feelings, what can they expect? Like, walk me through the service. Let me know, is somebody going to try and touch me? Are they going to hug me? Like, what, give me all of those details that go along with that. Okay. 
when you come in that door right there, we're going to have someone there to greet you. We know that first impressions last. And know this, we're not going to touch you. Okay. Thank we're you not Jesus. going to touch you. Uh, I will. Right, let, let, <laughs> look, we know that some people don't want anybody in that space. I get it. It was years before I would let somebody in that space. But I'm, I'm a hugger now. I'm a hugger. But some people aren't going to have it. Uh, extend, give a fist bump or extend a hand. We're going to shake your hand. We're going to bump your fist. We want you to feel safe. You don't have to say a word. You don't have to do anything but show up because we know this. God is going to meet you right where you are, and we want you to feel safe, and we want you to feel comfortable because we want you to come back week after week after week. So what's going to happen? I show up. Go ahead. What's first? Okay, this is what's going to happen. 5.15, we eat. We have a group of volunteers from this church that has volunteered to cook each and every week. We eat good, and we eat home cooking, and it's $5. Nobody gets turned away. Um, that's from 5.15 to 5.45. 6 o'clock, our large group starts. We'll have either a testimony like you're going to hear today or a teaching lesson. We have worship. We celebrate our recovery by handing out little tokens we call chips to, to designate uh, different, in different time frames of being in recovery. We pray out, and then we start the second hour. The second hour is where this anonymity and confidentiality really plays in because we break into a gender-specific and issue-specific small groups where we're able to share openly regarding the lesson, regarding the testimony, whatever God has put on your heart, whatever struggles or victories you may have, you have an opportunity to share. And then we eat again. Yeah, of course we you eat do. again. <laughs> uh, we eat we, again. We provide a healthy fare for those that are struggling with food issues. We also have the junk food for those that don't care. And <laughs> hey, I was that, I was that person. And, and, and no, no, keep moving. Keep going. Anyway, that's so... Right. <laughs> And so, and, 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 then, and, that's, and that's it. That's it. And, and I can promise you this. You're, you're going to see the love of Jesus and celebrate recovery. All right. Now, you have negative three minutes to tell us about tomorrow night, because tomorrow right. night's going to be fantastic. Night, tomorrow night, we're going to have a special speaker, Renee Lord. Um, some of you may have heard this story in 2002. Uh, Renee lost her daughter to a tragic accident at the Three Mile Bridge when her daughter was killed by a drunk driver, her and her best friend. Renee's story of forgiveness inspired Matthew West to write the song, Forgiveness. I'm sure many of you have heard this song on the radio over the years. She's going to be here tomorrow night to share that, that story. Y'all, it, it, I get emotional thinking about it because I can't imagine what she went through. I can't imagine being able to offer that forgiveness. Some of us struggle with unforgiveness. This is going to be an awesome time. We're going to meet right here in this room, 5.15 for dinner and 6 o'clock. It's just going to be a large group setting. There'll be no, no small groups. And I just want to invite everybody to, to come on out and enjoy it. You can just sit and listen and soak it up. Thanks, Bubba. Can y'all give Steve a big round of applause? Tomorrow night's going to be awesome. And so I encourage you guys to, to come on out and hang out with us. Uh, so, quickly, I'm going to jump in. I want to just give you just a few moments uh, of some scripture. If you're going to be following along in your Bible, if you'll turn to Matthew chapter 22 and go ahead and get ready for that. I wanted to, to go ahead and push this message out, not, not to set the stage for Julia, but to, get, to give you something to think about. I saw a set of scripture that I've read 10,000 times and just a different side of it that maybe will cause you to think a little bit. So in Matthew chapter 22, when we just finished our series called The Gospel According to Matthew, this is that section of scripture right before, right after Jesus has the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, but right before he's arrested, where Jesus is in the temple teaching. And you were, if you were here last week, I told you it was during this week where he was hammering on the Pharisees. He was hammering on the Sadducees about how much of hypocrites they were and just going after him with every single thing that he had. And, and, and to be honest with you, he stirred the pot so much that this may have been what got him killed. And, um, but, but during this time, the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, they were trying to trick Jesus. They were asking him these tough theological questions, trying to get him to answer incorrectly so they could determine him to be a false rabbi and strip him of his power and to remove him out of any sort of authority or to, or to deal with his followers that were causing issues for them. And so you're going to hear the, 
You're going to hear the questions. You've heard this before, but let me go ahead and read it quickly, and, um, and then we'll just talk about it. So in Matthew 22, verse 34, it says, When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, I love that. So that's two religious groups always in competition with one another. And um, so this, Jesus had just, just put the Sadducees in their place, and the Pharisees are like, Psh, watch me. Let me get a shot at this, right? Like they're going to prove Jesus to be wrong. It says, They gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, which means an expert in the Torah, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. In other words, you should love God with every single part of your being. That's a great, great answer. Jesus would have gotten an A plus on that one. But he continues on. He says, this is the greatest in the first commandment. But then he continues. He said, and the second is like it. But he takes and he, he adds this second part onto it. And I love this because Jesus clarifies for us and he, he allows us to, to, to have this new understanding. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now I'm going to tell you the way Jesus does this is, is masterful. And for him to say that on these two commands hang all of the law and the prophets means to say that everything that has been written and everything that has been spoken can be summed up into these two commands. Now, what I love about this is that as a person who struggles with ADHD and struggles with anxiety and just add to the list whatever else you want to, Jesus knew that I could not hold on to the 600 and something laws that the Torah asks us to observe. So what does Jesus do for Scott and for you? He gives us two buckets. Two buckets that we can focus on. The first one is, is love God with everything that we have. And the second one is to what? Love our neighbor as ourselves. We could just, all 600, everything that's been written and everything that's been spoken, fall into those two buckets. And that's how he is, he's left us as part of the mission of the church. It's a part of who we are. It's become a part of our vernacular here at the church to understand we love God. We love our neighbor. So you may say, Scott, what does that have to do with today? I want you to kind of consider something. So I'll start off by saying this, the first commandment, love God with everything that we are. I'm going to tell you most of us in here that are believers, we do pretty good at this one. We're not perfect in the way that we do it, but I'm going to tell you we love God with, with something that's more than just an emotion or a feeling, right? Like it's not a, I want to wrap my arms around God. We love God with the transformation that God has begun in our lives, that we've, we believe God to the point that it's more than an emotion. We've allowed it to change our lives, change our mind, change our heart. We pray, we study, we seek. And so I'm going to tell you the expression of most of us in our lives is that we love God. And so I, I think in that bucket, we're doing pretty good. The second command, love our neighbor as ourself. I believe honestly here at Community Life, we do this well. I mean, you think of the different ministries. If you're a part of this church and you're connected in any fashion, you've found ways that you can love your neighbor. If you just started with, with the special needs ministry that we have here at the church, it will keep you busy every night of your life. Um, so we have our Encircle ministry that meets here. So many people that volunteer and work there. This last Friday night, we had a dance here in the building. I'm telling you, Elvis showed up. It was fantastic. And it was just a great expression of how we love our neighbors and take care of them. But outside of Encircle, um, we have great ministries in this community like Magdalene's that so many of you are plugged into, um, seniors ministry, children's ministry. So, so I would tell you that, that even here in the terms of, of loving our neighbor, we're doing a pretty good job. So Scott, what's the problem? I honestly believe I missed a bucket. And I'll tell you what it is. It's something that as I was reading, it just kind of jumped out to me. And um, what I think I missed is this idea that we love our neighbor as ourself. Because I don't know that we truly love ourselves well. And I want to ask you this question or just kind of put this thought out there. What if the degree to which we can love our neighbor is the degree to which we can love ourselves. Because the truth is that every single one of us has a story. We've got things that have hurt us, harmed us, scars that we bear, things that we've pressed deep down inside that we never intend about ever talking about before. But those are parts of our journey that, that reflect who we are. And sometimes those things have caused us not to love ourselves. And so therefore, I'm going to tell you the direct correlation to loving God means that we have to love others when really we struggle to love ourselves. And so just in a moment of levity, I'm curious, let's think about this, what would happen if we spoke to our neighbor in the same way that we oftentimes speak to ourselves? 
Uh-huh, yeah, you guys know where I'm going with this. So imagine if tomorrow morning you take your lawn chair out and you sit in the front lawn and you're waiting for your neighbors to come out and get in their car. And across the street, um, Chuck comes out and Chuck's getting in his car and you're like, hey, Chuck, what's up, buddy? Like, I know you got that big morning meeting today. I know you've been getting ready for it. And guess what? You're probably gonna fail, <laughs> right? Because how often do we do that to ourselves? And guess what? That extra five pounds you're carrying, uh-huh, doesn't look too good, buddy. You need to do something about that. Could you imagine if we spoke to our neighbor in the same way that we speak to ourselves? My favorite that I hear sometimes rattle around in my head is, is if you're going to be dumb, you got to be tough. Right? Like that's something that I know has been my motto in life, that sometimes I just, it's just tough to, to get it wrong, so just have to have a hard head and endure all the mistakes that we're going to make along. I just, it, it's just crazy how we treat ourselves, that we lose sight of the God that loved us in a way that is, is just inexplicable the willingness for him to send his son to die for us. And so I have a theory. I just made it up today, so it's well-tested. So you can quote me on it if you believe it. Here's my theory. It says this, that most believers don't know that we have to do this work on ourselves. And so my theory says this, that the church is probably producing believers that are hurting others out of the unresolved hurt and brokenness in our own lives. And I wonder if that's maybe why people are running away from the church as fast as they possibly can, because we continue to propagate the pain and abuse that we maybe have survived or dealt with in our lives. We've got a lot of work that we have to do on ourselves to, to understand how God sees us and, and, and the love that God showed us so that we can then take and understand what it would be like to, to love our neighbor. Because if we can truly understand and see how God loves us in the midst of our brokenness, then we can look at our neighbors, which we can clearly see their flaws for the whole world to see and love them despite it, maybe with the same heart that God has for us. Um, last thing that I want to mention, and we're going to talk about these a little bit more next week, is that I know that not everybody's ever going to go to celebrate recovery. I know that this will never be a ministry that's going to meet or people are going to feel comfortable with. So I want to tell you what the eight principles are, because in your life, maybe you'll consider working on some of these areas when you think about yourself. The first principle is this, realize that I'm not God. How about that? I need to wake up every morning and remind myself of that because I have my own kingdom and I am ruling and reigning. And then Tammy lets me know that my reign is a little less than I thought it was, right? Um, so realize that I'm not God. Admit that I'm powerless to control my tendency. We, we have a need for a Savior in our lives, amen? Um, earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to Him, and that He has the power to help me recover, to truly understand how much God loves us. Consciously choose to commit all my life and my will to Christ's care and control. Openly examine and confess my faults to myself, to God, and to someone I trust. Voluntarily submit to every change God wants to make in my life and, and ask that he removes those character defects. Evaluate my relationships. Offer forgiveness to those who can, um, uh, who, who have hurt me, and to make amends for them, except for when to do so would harm them or to harm others. Uh, reserve a daily time with, with God for self-examination and to yield all that I have to God so that I can take this good news out and, and share it with other people. You think of those steps in our lives, and I just want you to know I have a lot of work to do. And Celebrate Recovery is simply a process that helps work through those steps. But here's what I know, is that the more transformation of heart work that we allow God to do in us, the more that we can show up and be present to those in this world that are so hurting and so desperate to experience the God that loves them. Amen? And so it's with that, that I invite Julia to come up and share her testimony. Will you guys help me in giving her a, a warm round of applause? Love you, buddy. <laughs> Morning. All right. I'm gonna quick say a quick prayer real quick. I'm still nervous. <laughs> Lord, thank you so much for this time, for this ministry that has transformed my life, and I know that can transform so many others, Lord. Just let me be a broken vessel this morning that your light shines through so brightly. Lord, I pray that as we give this time to you, you just use it in your work. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right. Hi, everybody. My name is Julia. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I'm in, depre I'm in recovery for depression and lust. I want to start off this by saying that I'm so grateful to be here with you all this morning. I'm here through God's grace alone. 
When I gave my testimony and celebrate recovery in June, the last thing I ever expected was for Pastor Scott to come up to me and ask me if I'd give it on a Sunday morning. I'm excited, grateful, and also pretty terrified to have this amazing opportunity. My prayer for every single person who is in this building or watching online is that as you hear my life's journey, it impacts you for the glory of God. I pray through this, you are inspired to pursue God with your whole heart in your own lives. I was born in a very small town in South Alabama to a very large Russian family. I am the youngest of eight children, so my whole life I flew completely under the radar. Always looked over and never really seen. I mean, my parents did have eight kids. I never grew especially close to them. And until very recently in life, I was never able to connect with them. I was incredibly fortunate to have my older brother Alex in this period of my life. I look back and can tell you he hung the moon in my eyes back then. He gave me the love and support that I desperately needed and was my absolute world. Unfortunately, when I was eight years old, my big brother committed suicide. He was 24 years old. And before I jump into how exactly my world spiraled following this, I want to say I'm so incredibly grateful for the time that I was given to spend with Alex. Even with all of the bad that followed, I cherish the memories that I hold with him and will always remember him as my big brother that loved and cared about his little sister. Now, I only got into this type of peace through getting into scripture daily, taking my recovery seriously, and letting God take off the blinders of pain and grief that clouded my vision to see his lo love and glory. Following this event, my already with distant and withdrawn family scattered into a million pieces. Everyone went their own separate ways in their grief. Me, I just broke. The person that I was closest to in the world was gone, and I learned a very harsh lesson that I was now alone. I was eight years old, and I had no idea how to grieve or how to deal with my emotions in a healthy way. As a result, I learned destructive coping mechanisms to try to deal with all of my hurt. Through watching my family during this time, I learned several things. I learned that when I cried, my parents would cry. And I learned that it was harder for, to watch those I love hurt than it was for me to even let myself feel my emotions that were tearing me apart. This would continue on for years of trying to find avenues of, of distraction and numbing the pain away that would ultimately leave me worse off than when I started. Unfortunately, everyone around me, including myself, were blinded by the pain and grief that none of us could look outside of ourselves to see another person. The only time I now received any type of attention was when I was outwardly grieving or when the pain got too much to mask and it became a panic attack. Because of how my family handled me at this time, I felt fake in my grief. I felt fake in my emotions. The feeling of being fake would continue on for years uh, and is still something I struggle with today. I've always wanted for those around me to smile and be happy, for them to never feel like what I truly felt like on the inside. For years following my brother's suicide, I was angry. I was angry at my family. I was angry at God. I was angry at myself. My thoughts raged with my own suicidal ideations stemming from the what ifs and the why wasn't I enough for him to stay? There must be something wrong with me. I had given up on everything. I had given up on having a relationship with my family. I had given up on God. I had given up on myself. When I was a kid, these feelings of love that I so desperately craved from my family proved unachievable. When I was nine, I moved out of my parents' house to come down to Pensacola to live with a very close family member. This house was soon to become a place of where a large part of the abuse and neglect I endured in my life came from. While I was living here, I endured verbal and mental abuse from that family member's girlfriend and endured an instance of sexual abuse from that family member. This affected me much more than I could have comprehended as a child. All I knew as I left that room was that I had made the decision to never tell anyone. 
just like I had learned with my, bro my brother Alex. I bottled it up. I did what I did best. Everything was on my shoulders to bear without God in my life, after all. During this time, I turned to those around me like my neighbors and the church they took me to, mainly because I desperately wanted to just be wanted by someone. I wanted my presence to matter to someone out there. I wanted someone to simply want me to be in a room with them. This is where I learned the art of how to act in front of the Christians. I would act exactly how I thought they wanted me to because if I knew if they met the real me, they wouldn't want me back. I would be perfect. I learned early on from those around me that if I didn't become a chameleon everywhere I went, that I would quickly be cast out, asked to never return. I learned one thing from the Christian group of people, that I have a God that loves and cherishes me, but when I went home, I knew that definitely wasn't the case. I had me. No one loved or cherished me. I was nine years old, and my only thought about God was that if there was one, he sure didn't like me very much. Following the abuse I had just endured under my family, my parents came and took me back to Alabama, having absolutely no understanding of what had happened to me in that household. My parents had officially checked out since my brother's passing to somehow deal with their own grief. I was left to my own devices and had to pick up the broken pieces of myself by myself. I picked up more destructive coping mechanisms in this period. I had complete control over a computer, and this sent me into a deep dive into what exactly porn was, and this is how I became obsessed with something incredibly destructive at the age of 10. My suicidal ideations would continue on until I truly got into recovery, but I had hit a severe low when I was 18. I look back and really cannot tell you why I wasn't hospitalized at this point in my life. I wish I had been. I was bottling everything up, but even when I had given all hope and was done, God never stopped pursuing me. For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8, 38, 39. I've tried to fill that God-sized hole in me with anything that I could grab. I was desperate, and I just wanted to be loved. Looking back, I see how God was working in me so I could wake up and realize just how much I needed him. On February 7th, 2021, I was sitting in the balcony of a church I rarely attended here in Pensacola. As I sat in that pew, it was like God wrote, had written a sermon to speak life into me. Every doubt, fear, struggle, hurt that I had struggled with for years were laid bare before me. I realized that I was a sinner and that I was in desperate need of a savior. God opened my heart to him and I chose to accept that Jesus Christ died on the cross to atone for my sins and rose three days later showing this truth, that he has the power over death and sin. God paid the punishment for my sins because of his love for me. He set me free of its bondage. And he has extended this grace and love and free gift to the whole world. Standing here today, I can now happily say that I have found that source of love that I so desperately craved for so long. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. John 3, 16, 17. Following this, I had a journey of telling the truth to my family and friends about what had happened to me as a child. I told my parents about the sexual abuse that I endured on March 27, 2021, and found that God had truly worked within me, so now I could be open and honest with them and myself. This improved my relationship with them tremendously. It was like actively watching God shine a light on the darkest thing within me and take away all of the power it once held. Every day I still struggle with the fact that I have a God that loves and cherishes me. 
My low self-worth resists the idea of it, but it's an act of choice to choose to find my rest in him and not in those thoughts. The walls that I built up over years, the walls that I thought would protect me, were slowly but surely choking the life out of me. You see, those walls were not only blocking out God, they were blocking out the world, they were blocking out God. I couldn't see him working because I didn't want to see. And the only way I started to see him was by humbling myself, coming before him, and recognizing and admitting that my life had become unmanageable. Every day I choose to find my home in him, the more he lovingly breaks down those old walls. God has not only allowed me to heal from these events from my past, but also to be able to shine his light on it. Through the absolute grace of God, I not only let go of the resentment of that family member that sexually abused me, but also have also been able to be a servant of Christ in it. On June 21st, 2023, I got the opportunity to share the gospel with that man. For many of my past abusers, I plan to never initiate contact with them because forgiveness does not mean reconciliation. The truth is we are all broken and desperately need God. I've believed this for a long time, but it was such a different experience to be able to look in the eyes of that man, hold his hands, and tell him I have forgiven him. And that more importantly, God has forgiven him and loves him right where he is at. Just as he has done for me and every single one of you. God did not send me into this world to be a victim. He created and called me to be like Christ. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help from his temple. He heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears, Psalm 18:6. Unfortunately, I had no discipleship as a new believer in Christ. My life and morals were that of the world, and I was stuck in it. But even with all of this, God was working in my life and those around me. I met a woman, my now sponsor in school. I remember watching her and thinking that she was just so happy. How can someone be so happy? Between us, it was a little nauseating. Thankfully, I would soon find out that answer. One day, while studying for a class together, we ended up sharing our testimonies with one another. The snowball that this event created in my life turned into what you see before you today. I am standing here today because when we were hanging out and studying for statics one random Monday, she brought me into a celebrate recovery. And when I tell you, I was uncomfortable. I didn't know what was going on in that room. I mean, everyone was so happy and open and free or weird, I don't know. Somehow, by the end of that meeting, through sitting and hearing someone's testimony, I was forever changed. I came into Celebrate Recovery feeling alone in this world and having now found an amazing forever family that loves and stands beside me in my brokenness. I've been shown a true love that people can only show if they have been shown it first by God. The life first of the man that gave his testimony that night is forever burned in my, into my mind. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua 1.9 God used his broken story to forever change the course of my life. I started doing daily Bible studies with my sponsor in this time period. I prayed daily for the love of reading scripture and being in his word to come because it definitely was not there in the beginning. Every time I went to read the Bible, it was like act, fighting an active battle. I mean, I really did not like it, you guys. But the more I stayed faithful and in his word, the more he worked within me. Now, I love reading scripture and I have a thirst to learn more of his will from my life. Through working these steps and trusting in God to work within me, I have found so much freedom from my past. It definitely wasn't easy in the beginning, but as I got into a step study, had to actually truly talk and open up to those around me, God restored something within me. I found out what true love is through this program and would not give up any of the hurt that I have gone through if it means I wouldn't experience what I have today with God and these people. 
The step that touched my heart the most was step three. We made a decision to turn our lives and wills over to the care of God. Once I made the decision to truly give up my lifestyle that followed the world, God got to work so much more inside of me in my life. I gave up something inside of myself and started earnestly trying to turn my will over to his. In the beginning, I didn't realize it wasn't just a simple once and done prayer. It was a daily decision. Once I let him have everything, all of the good and the bad, I started seeing the difference it has made in my life. Every single day comes with new troubles and trials, but every day I get to see another side of God's faithfulness and love. For years I told myself that I would take most of the things I'm sharing with you today to the grave. I'm here to tell you that I'm so glad I started saying yes to God and no to myself. God is actively using my mess for a message. I truly am up here for his glory and not my own. I am still a work in progress, just like every single one of you. Recovery does not end. I know how easy it is to backslide and relapse into those old habits and hang-ups. In July, I had a relapse in which my sponsor had called me out my behavior. There were several lessons I learned through going through this. One is, God is much more powerful than my feelings. And he is more powerful than what I'm facing. I've often heard, if he can hold the world, he can hold this moment. And this statement is something I didn't understand, but I've come to realize it's actually true. He knows that we will all walk through various trials that will shake us to the core, that will feel like it will destroy us. But in those moments of despair, I've learned how destructive it is to rely on my own power and not on the power of God to not rely on the one who can actually save me from my troubles. And I say again, if he can hold the world, he can hold this moment. In my journey, I had taken myself to the ledge and was ready to jump. But God worked miracles in my life, turned me right around to find him. I had to make the hard choices to truly start abiding in him. I'm so blessed to be able to speak of my victories in Christ of recent. When I first started recovery, I didn't think I would ever be free of my suicidal ideations. My only expectation when I picked up that little blue chip on January 2nd, 2023, was nothing more than a hope to be free. I am in awe of what God has done in my life. I no longer struggle with suicidal thoughts any longer. God, has set me free. I pray that each one of you seek God for your own freedom. Thank you all for listening to the amazing work God has done in my life. Thank you. I invite you, if you will, to, to, to stay on your feet. Um, we're going to go ahead and pray and close and, and let you head on out today. Um, I appreciate Julia and her willingness to, to be that vulnerable and to share that testimony. And, um, and you know, my prayer for this congregation is that we allow God to do the deep work inside of us. Amen? Um, we all have things that, that uh, we've been hiding for a long time, and I just pray that God can, can set us free from those areas. Uh, so we're going to, I'll pray. The band is going to play a song. If, if you would like prayer, Addie's going to be down here, down front. Steve will be down here too if you have any questions. Don't forget, tomorrow night will be a powerful, powerful night. If you want to join us right here, um, dinner's at 5.15. Service will start at 6 o'clock. And I uh, just look forward to seeing you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. And as we go from this place, uh, Lord, I thank you for, for the words that were spoken. Um, we're at words like suicide and Sexual and physical abuse, um, they're things that we, that we just don't talk about in church, God, but they impact every, every single one of us. And Lord, I pray that, that you offer hope, you offer healing. God, I pray that in this life, that, that you give us the tools and the resources to reach out into this world with people that are literally shattered and connect them to the God of creation that loves them. But it all starts right here. God, and the willingness to do the work. So as we go from this place, God, we just ask that you would lead us and guide us. 
as we work to connect people to your son, Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys have a wonderful week. Thank you. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain, break every chain, break every Break every chain, break every chain, break every chain.